Let's pray. Our Father, great God of all glory, we come on to Thee this night in and through the precious name of Jesus Christ. We come in the merit of His shed blood. We come to open up Your Word and to ask that indeed You would help us to understand and to learn to grow in knowledge and wisdom, to grow in love for the Lord Jesus, that we might follow Him more closely and live for Him more wisely and depend upon Thee in prayer more fervently. And so we ask that Thy hand of blessing may be upon our meeting this night. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're coming tonight in Acts chapter 2. And we're at verse 19. <coughs> Acts chapter 2 and the 19th verse. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapour of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Now when we come to this passage tonight we must remember that we're in the midst of Peter's sermon here on the day of Pentecost. Peter has been speaking of blessing. The pouring out of the Spirit. The words of great encouragement. And you know, it's, it's always nice and good to be able to speak words of great encouragement and promised blessing. But, tonight we come to verse 19 and and we find something of a contrast we find words that speak of judgment and these words are from Joel Peter is quoting are from Joel but he's not just quoting these words for completeness because he wants to, to get from the, the opening passage and, and, and move on to what comes after verse 21 we have it here but because these words are vitally important they are part of the prophecy and it is therefore necessary and important that we can take some time to consider them and to seek to learn 
from them. And so we come to them tonight. And I will show. You know, God is overall. It's all powerful. But most people live their lives as if God didn't exist. And that's from the lowest people to the highest people. But very often it's especially the very highest people. It calls to my mind, certainly when I, I, I came to look at this passage, it called to my mind the situation there in Egypt where Moses was sent with a message under Pharaoh to, to let my people go. And Pharaoh wasn't having any of it. Then God showed to Pharaoh who was in charge. And God showed great wonders under Pharaoh. He poured out terrible uh, judgments. And God delivered his people uh, from Egypt. God showed who was in control in spite of what the powerful and mighty thought. God's power was displayed for all to see. And, and that's the idea we have here. God will show. God doesn't just leave the world alone to get on for us all to do what we please without any consequence. God hasn't just set the world going and spinning as it were and left it. God will show. We know that he has spoken. We know that he, he, he has shown in the life of the Lord Jesus. But, God is still going to show that he is overall almighty, all-powerful. And we can hold on to these words and trust them. God will show wonders and I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath wonders the, the idea here is omens or that which is unusual miracles things will happen and that's certainly what happened back in in Egypt wasn't it the plagues that came upon that land were terrible. But they were also very obvious. And they stood out. That judgment that was poured out on that land. But God will show wonders. Signs. This word here that we have, signs, is, is stronger than the word wonders. 
The word signs means indication, a pointing toe. Wonders in themselves can can mean anything in a sense, but but these are, are signs. They will point to something. They will point to the fact that God is in control. They will point to the fact that we are helpless before the Almighty God. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. What's spoken of here is things that will will happen on the earth and above the earth. These things spoken of are terrible when we read them here. The blood and fire and vapour of smoke, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. These are terrible things that are spoken of. When we read words like this, brings to mind the full terrors of widespread warfare or terrible natural calamity. We, we read the word blood. We remember Abel. And Abel's blood was shed. And that blood which cried out unto the Lord for vengeance. We think of fire. Perhaps we, our minds turn to Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire and brimstone. The judgment of God poured out. And the sun darkened. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. It would seem possible that the in Joel, when he's talking of these things, he, he he's given this word of prophecy in light of the plague of locusts that has descended over the land and blotted everything out. But he's speaking, and we we read in other passages two of this reference. It's so much more than. And a plague of locusts. This, again, if you remember, Egypt was covered in darkness. Three days and three nights. Christ on the cross. The sun was dark. There was darkness upon the face of the earth for three hours. Why? Because he was bearing the wrath of God for sinners like you and me. There was that separation when he bore that poured out judgment. And part of that was the darkness that came upon the face of the earth. And these are awesome signs that are spoken of and terrible before that great and notable 
day of the Lord. Come. You know, this is going to be, for some, a terrible day. That's the word that we read in Joel. The Septuagint used the word which we have here translated as notable. But in Joel, in the Hebrew, it says terrible. And both are true. For some, it will be a terrible day. But for others, it will be a day of deliverance. Cast your mind back again to Egypt. The death and destruction wrought upon Egypt was deliverance for God's people. Before that great, great, this is the word in the Greek, megas, mega. We, have, we can recognize that word. It means big. It indicates the culmination of that great and notable day of the Lord. And the word we have translated notable is the word which we are more familiar with in some circles as epiphany. Some who follow religious calendars have the day of Epiphany, which is, I understand, to mark when the Lord Jesus was shown forth to the wise men that came from the East. And that's actually what the word would mean. Showing forth. Hence we have notable. Something that is noticed. Or notable. We have the idea. Perhaps. In this of, of brightness. Something that can be seen. We have that reference. In Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse eight, to Christ's brightness, and when He will come again, and this phrase, the "Day of the Lord," is a phrase that occurs again and again and again in the Scriptures. So we read through. It comes up and it comes up and it comes up. Now, what are we to understand by this? And how are we uh, to proceed now? So we've been through the verses. But, you know, we need now to go and look through the Scriptures to find uh, what the other scriptures and the prophets have to say on the subject. And then we need to look at what the Lord Jesus had to say 
and then we need to learn a lesson or two from this now if we come please to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah and the 13th chapter please the 13th chapter of Isaiah is about judgment on Babylon read that in the first verse the burden of Babylon which Isaiah the son of Amos did see and if you drop down there to verse 6 we read howl ye for the day of the Lord is at hand it shall come as a destruction from the almighty therefore shall all hands be faint and every man's heart shall melt and they shall be afraid pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them they shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth they shall be amazed one at another their faces shall be as flames behold the day of the Lord cometh cruel both with wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it for the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light the sun shall be darkened in his going forth and the moon shall not cause her light to shine and I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible I will make a man more precious than fine gold even a man with the golden wedge of Orphia therefore I will shake the heavens and the earth shall remove out of her place in the wrath of the Lord of hosts and in the day of his fierce anger verse 19 and Babylon the glory of kingdoms the beauty of the Chaldees excellency shall be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah you see in this chapter here we, we see a terrible judgment foretold and here it's the judgment brought via the hands of the Medes on the city, the, the empire of Babylon but it goes so much beyond Babylon in that day and surely this prophecy here has a succession of fulfilment there's the Babylon that Isaiah knew and there's the Babylon that we read about in Revelation 17 and 18 and this judgment of God is sure and certain upon that great and wicked Babylon which we read of in Revelation the imagery here is very similar to what we're reading about in Joel and Acts about the sun being darkened or about the terrible terrible judgment and death that would come these words are truly terrible it's not a nice image the wrath of God upon the ungodly 
but it is something that brings glory unto God. Now, if we turn please to Sephaniah, the book of the prophet Sephaniah, in the first chapter, and the second verse. I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast. I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fishes of the sea and the stumbling blocks with the wicked. And I will cut off man from the land, saith the Lord. I will also stretch out mine hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem and I will cut off the remnant of Baal from his place and the name of the Chemarims with the priests and them that worship the host of heaven upon the housetops and them that worship and that swear by the Lord and swear by Malcham and them that are turned back from the Lord and those that have not sought the Lord nor inquired for him hold thy priests at the presence of the Lord God for the day of the Lord is at hand for the Lord hath prepared a sacrifice he hath bid his guests. Verse 14 The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wastedness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men, that they shall walk like blind men, because they have sinned against the Lord, and their blood shall be poured out as dust, and their flesh as the dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land you know each time that God sends judgment it is in a sense a real sense the day of the Lord and for those upon whom this judgment is poured out it is as I say a terrible day does not make pleasant reading. But you know, this is God's word. And we do need to think about these things. Because God has told us about them. The great and terrible day of the Lord is near. Now, if we turn, please, to Isaiah chapter 61. The 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah. And verse 1. Now think about these words as we read them. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion to give unto them beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called trees of righteousness the plantings of the Lord that he might be glorified some of those words in particular are familiar words and why are they so familiar? because when we come to Luke's Gospel chapter 4 these are the words that the Lord Jesus read Luke 4 verse 16 as I say some of them chapter 4 verse 16 and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read straightforward so far and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah and when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written now we notice he found the place where it was written now he is deliberately choosing which verses he's going to read verse 18 the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he had anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord verse 20 and he closed the book and he gave it again to the minister and sat down do you see what he did he read so far through the words of this prophecy and then he stopped he closed the book and he handed it back would have been a scroll but he stopped deliberately closed it and handed it back he chose what he was reading he chose where he stopped and he made it very clear by handing it back that's significant why? because the words he stopped before were the words and the day of vengeance of our God why is this so significant? Because when we move and look forward down to verse 21 And he began to say unto them This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears You see in Isaiah 61 we have blessing, judgment, blessing And when the Lord Jesus read He read of the blessing the ministry of Messiah 
and he stopped before the judgment and the blessing that followed on after the judgment and when he said this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears he was talking about that ministry of blessing uh, that marked his time amongst men but he was not applying this day is this scripture fulfilled he was not applying that to the judgment because that was not his ministry at that time and we can see that in John chapter 3 John the third chapter and the seventeenth verse for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved sent not his son into the world to condemn the world that was not why the Lord Jesus came and his incarnation but this is something that caused some confusion some questioning if we come to Matthew's gospel in the 11th chapter Matthew chapter 11 in the second verse well, we have John the Baptist here and John we find him here in verse 2 now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ he sent two of his disciples and said unto them art thou he that should come or do we look for another You see, John the Baptist knew about the works of Christ, but that raised a question in his mind. Then why? Because if you turn back to Matthew chapter 3 and the 11th verse, we find John the Baptist here speaking, and he said in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance but he that cometh after me is mightier than I whose shoes I am not worthy to bear he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire well, that's speaking of the blessing and the judgment And the judgment is highlighted if you read verse 12 whose fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. With unquenchable fire. What's that speaking about? Speaking about judgment and eternal punishment. 
John had this word of prophecy. Messiah is coming. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And with fire. He's coming to bless. And he's coming to judge. And when John in prison heard of the miracles but didn't hear of the judgment it raised a question in his mind. That was his concern. Where was this judgment that we read of in Isaiah 61 when Messiah would come? But you see, when the prophets spoke and brought forward these wondrous words, the the events were seen together. The blessing and the judgment were seen at the one time. But God had a day of salvation, a day of grace in between which wasn't seen and that's why the Lord Jesus stopped before the judgment he had come to save and not to condemn and that's what caused John the Baptist to have questions in his mind we need to see that very clearly Now, what did the Lord Jesus have to say? If we look at Luke chapter 21, please. Luke's Gospel, the 21st chapter. If we look there at verse 7, we just try and pick out one or two things from this chapter. Verse 7, And they asked him, saying, Master, but when shall these things be? And what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass? You know, men are always asking this question, When? 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 We have that question asked even today, and, and if you'll go into the realm of setting dates you can attract attention you can draw a crowd sadly I was listening to an American radio station the other day it's something I used to listen to many years ago it used to be on the shortwave and I used to listen to it there's a, a bible teacher on there and and you know what particularly saddened me was that they were promoting a sort of an advertisement for some teaching that was happening and this man a very very knowledgeable man well able to answer questions and, uh, I used to enjoy a telephone phone in that he had that uh, he used to answer people's questions, just whatever they threw at him. He was very good at handling the scriptures. But this man has set a date. 
he's marked it on the calendar next year but we know he's wrong no man knoweth the day nor the hour but anyway if we come back to the passage before us they asked him saying master when shall these things be and what sign will there be when these things shall come to pass the Lord Jesus there warns of false teachers and he said unto them and and he said take heed that ye be not deceived for many shall come in my name saying I am Christ the time draws near go ye not therefore after them many shall hear of wars and commotions be not terrified for these things must come to pass but the end is not by and by you see the Lord had a lot to say verse 20 and when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies then know that the desolation thereof is nigh then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains and let them which are in the midst of it depart out and let not them that are in the countries enter their into for these be the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled you see the Lord Jesus when he was speaking there was speaking of vengeance that would come upon the city of Jerusalem and history tells us where the Roman Emperor Titus came to Jerusalem and in a great massacre slaughtered the inhabitants this is terrible terrible days verse 24 and they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations and Jerusalem shall be trodden down the Gentiles unto the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled you know you go to Jerusalem today you go to the Temple Mount what will you find there? you won't find the Jewish Temple you'll find a big mosque one of the holiest places of Islam and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth distress of nations with perplexity the sea and waves roaring men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory you know the Lord Jesus spoke of the judgment that came upon Jerusalem but the Lord Jesus also spoke of the judgment that was coming when he would return these are solemn words for those upon whom the wrath of God is abiding verse 28 and when these things begin to come to pass then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption are draweth nigh you know as conditions get worse you can be encouraged you can have hope because you know 
But the Lord Jesus is coming. And each day is a day closer. And so we see there that our principle of successive judgments. Now we need to draw some lessons from this. Second Peter place, chapter three and the seventh verse. Second Peter three verse seven. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of godly men. You know, just in passing, we, we, we're not to be overly concerned about the condition of this world. Yes, yes, we're to be good stewards. Yes, we're to seek to, to look after, especially that which is in our care. But, 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 our great hope is not, is not in the things of this world. When we hear of climate change and all that sort of thing. That's not to be our main primary concern. We're not to be distressed by it. Why? Because the whole creation groaneth, waiting for the day of redemption. You see, it's all reserved under fire against the day of judgment. Verse 8, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness. You see, when we look back and see that 2,000 years or so have passed, we're not to be discouraged, not to be disheartened. There's a reason for this delay, for this time that has passed. It is in God's plan. But is long suffering towards what? Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, when a shepherd goes out looking for the sheep, when he gets most of them gathered up, when he's got the ninety and nine in the fold, he goes out. And looks again, looks further, looks longer for the remaining one. The Lord is long-suffering and not willing that any should perish. Verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, and the earth also and the works of the therein shall be burned up. See and then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Seeing that everything's going to be burned up and destroyed, how holy you should live. Every area of life. 2 Corinthians the 5th chapter and the 11th verse 
So we've looked there at God's long suffering. We've looked there at our response, which should be holy living. And now, Second Corinthians chapter five and the eleventh verse. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing that God is a God of judgment and wrath, knowing that He will pour this out, we should be filled with a fervency for evangelism to bring God's word to lost sinners. To share the only good news that there is amidst this world of gloom and trouble and strife. We've got the answer. The gospel of Jesus Christ. He came into the world to save sinners. We need to go and tell them. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just to finish. Revelation 22 and verse 12. And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. So you see the long suffering of God, not willing that any should perish. You see that in the light of the destruction that will come, the judgment that will come, we shall be living holy lives. That we should be fervently persuading men. Not terrorising them, but persuading them with the gospel. And as we see here in verse 12, when Christ comes, he comes with a reward for his people. You see, a day of judgment, but a day of reward. Verse 13, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. It's all about the Lord Jesus. He is the first and the last. He is to be the first and the last in our lives too. Every day, everything that we say and do, I am. Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Amen. Let us pray. Now, Father. And these matters that we've been looking at tonight are, are solemn matters. They are things that we 
do not enjoy taking time to think about. But yet we know this is thy word. We do pray that you will apply this to our hearts. That indeed we might trust thee more and more. That we might have more holiness in our lives. That we might be more persuasive in our contacts. And I hope that the Lord Jesus might indeed be the beginning and the end of all that we say and do. May our trust ever be in him. For in his name we ask this. Amen.